Okay, Philippians 3, 1 through 16. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of, the, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection." And may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would bless the preaching of your word. Give me wisdom, Lord, and may these words be your words to your people. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. What are your favorite pictures for the Christian life? that you find in scripture. There are many of them, if you think about it, many pictures of, of what, uh, what it's like to live out that Christian life. Think, for instance, of the bride being prepared for her husband. This beautiful imagery of the bride being adorned, even through good works and obedience, to be prepared for uh, for Christ on that last day. Or think of the building being constructed brick by brick, carefully designed according to a blueprint. Christ himself at the cornerstone of this building. So you have, you have many different imageries. I'll give you one more. How about a tree that grows slow and steady you know, from, from a sapling into this powerful tree? Many different pictures of the Christian life. 
in, in, in Scripture. But we see one today, one that I've always felt a little uncomfortable with, and it's, it's the picture of the Christian life as a marathon, as a long race. And you can imagine why that makes me a little uneasy. Um, I'm not an athlete, naturally. And I remember I had this pastor growing up who always wanted to uh, you know, appeal to everything like a sports imagery, you know, sports image. Oh, you, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're gearing up to uh, you know, swing a baseball bat. That's, that's what you know, it's, uh, the Christian life is like. And so everything would turn into the sports imagery. But the problem is, this happens quite frequently in Scripture. And so I had to actually reckon with that, that over and over again, Paul in particular turns to us non-athletes and athletes as well, and says, hey, look, you need to to embrace this, that the Christian life is like an exhausting and exhilarating endurance race. It is is from the moment that the Holy Spirit uh, works faith in believers all the way to that finish line is this long, hard race. Well, Paul wants to give us this big picture of what the Christian life is like with all of its joys and frustrations. So he turns to these foot races that he's, uh, that he's seen in ancient Greece. This is what he would be observing in the gymnasiums that were around him. It was popular in his day that athletes would run long and hard races. And if you've ever run a marathon or, or even, even the local turkey trot, you know what it's like to experience that um, the, physical, the physical fatigue that wears on you, but there's something even worse than that. It's the mental fatigue that you're halfway through that race and already you're thinking, I'm just going to slow down a little bit here. Maybe I can just walk for a little bit. You know, I'll make it to the end. All those pressures, physical, mental, that come bearing down on you as you make that slow and steady progress towards the finish line. Is it any surprise, really, that Paul grabs a hold of that image to try to describe the Christian life? Is it any surprise? I, I think it's, it's highly unsurprising because we think of this past year alone and what a marathon it's been. Mental fatigue from this ongoing uh, pandemic just bearing down on us. You say, when is this going to be over? You know, some, some, of, uh, some college students I know Quarantine three, four times. It's like right when you just get going into a new stretch, a new, um, you know, a, a new uh, period of your life. Once again, feels like everything slows down. How about the the grueling mental fatigue from uh, this presidential election? You know, a month ago. A marathon is a fitting picture for the journey that we've been on in the Christian life thus far, and it's a fitting picture for the journey ahead. That's why I wanted to take this small hiatus from our time moving through the Gospel of Luke to camp out here in Philippians 3 and say, how can we prepare for this year ahead? How can we get our mindsets in this, you know, this marathon that we're running And how can we look ahead to that finish line that awaits us? How can we do that as individuals, but also as a church plant, 
a church plant that has been making slow but steady progress towards the goals that that Christ calls us to. And Paul gives us an answer in this passage. He tells you, Christian athletes, how to continue to engage in this long life of the Christian marathon. And he tells you this. Here's the, encur- here's the challenge and here's the encouragement that I want you to hear. Press on. Press on in your race to the finish line. Enter this new year resolved to actively and vigorously pursue Christ-likeness. Well, first, Paul helps us to see this. He, he gives us this challenge of pressing on by giving us this big picture of our position in the marathon. So first, our position. Paul helps us to, to just step back and get a bearing on where we are in this grand race. And that's what every skilled athlete does, isn't it? Surveys the field, looks, um, looks ahead, assesses that situation, paces themselves as they, as they run towards the finish line. Well, where are we when we step back and, and survey the situation? Well, our position can be summed up like this with two phrases that you've heard me use if you've heard me preach before um, at this church plant. Already and not yet. Already and not yet. Those two phrases really encapsulate where we are on that, um, in that grand marathon. The Christian life is, yes, like that racetrack circling around the Grand Olympic Stadium. And on that track, it, there's a paradox. It's as if we're two places at once. And Paul gives us a picture of that in this passage. First, It's as if we're already at the finish line. Now, how can that be? How can it be that we're already standing at the finish line? We're already at the finish line because Christ Jesus ran that race in your behalf. Christ Jesus took upon his shoulders that ID tag that belongs to you, and he ran with perfect endurance that race in your place through the trials of the cross and across the finish line with eyes set on the prize ahead of him. And now Christ Jesus stands at that place of honor and victory at the right hand of God, you know, that, that first place pedestal, and he wears um, on his very shoulders still our identification. We're standing with Christ on the victor's podium with a gold medal around our neck because our Savior has run in our behalf. And so you can look back to verses 8 through 10, and that's where Paul gives us this thrilling picture of where we already are in Christ Jesus. What kind of things does he say? He gives us this picture of being perfect in Christ, being clothed in a righteousness that is not ours, but a righteousness that comes from faith, from God in Christ, to us. So think of the other pictures in in the scriptures of who you already are in Christ, alive in Christ, buried with him, dead to sin, alive to God. That's who you already are in Christ Jesus. It's as if you've crossed that finish line 
because he ran in your behalf. And yet, that's not the whole picture, is it? Because in another sense, we are not yet to the finish line. We're still, as it were, halfway through that marathon, feet pounding on the pavement, out of breath, with miles more to go. That's the paradox. And that's what Paul wants to stress in this passage. He's really laying heavy on us that reality that we are not yet there. Verse 12, he says this, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. And then he says it again in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. And so this is the reality that's true for us as well. As, as, um, as long as we wait to depart to be with the Lord or until Jesus returns, we're a people in progress. We're saved but striving. We're God's workmanship in Christ Jesus, but we're also a work in progress, working at our salvation with, with fear and trembling. Do you feel that tension in your life of being Two places on the track at once. In your personal walk with Christ, do do you see it? You're already saved, already freed from the dominion of sin if you've looked to him by faith. But at the same time, what's with these lingering sins that keep popping up in your life and you keep having to address them over and over? You're already declared beloved by God, adopted into his family, and yet... Time after time, you have to struggle with that shame and guilt that just feels like you can't shake it from your past. And so, in our personal walk with Christ, we feel that tension of who we are already in Jesus at the finish line, and yet, still running. Mental fatigue setting in as we head towards that goal. How about in our life as a church plant? Do we feel this tension of, the, of being two places at once? Think of what God already calls us, even as a mission work. He calls us the bride of Christ, beloved by him, purified by his blood, set apart from the rest of the world. These are huge, life-changing realities, identity statements for our church plant. But then at the very same time, what do we see? We see that we are not yet a self-sustaining church. We're still on the way to that. And, and we're reminded every time you know, we, uh, we walk into this space that it's a temporary space for us. We are not yet making the impact in Dayton that we hope to make by God's grace. And so even as a church plant, that already and not yet, that being two places on the racetrack, bears down upon us. And God wants you to feel this tension. It's a healthy tension. Now, why does Paul make such a big deal about that? The fact that we need to see this tension, especially that not yet aspect of our place on the racetrack. Why does he stress this so much in this passage? It's because there's a danger that looms over us in forgetting this reality. It's the danger of spiritual stagnancy setting in on the Christian life. 
living life in neutral, setting our uh, Christianity to cruise control, coasting along, just like an athlete who pushes ahead so far that, that then they, they just kind of, you know, jog it out for the rest of the race. Paul wants to address that reality, that danger, because he knew the, the, the potential danger of spiritual stagnancy himself. Where was Paul as he wrote the letter to the Philippians? He was in prison. Physical chains around him at times. A a, a holding place that he couldn't get out of. And so everything about his circumstances pointed to passively waiting out the Christian life. You can't do anything, Paul. Just sit it out. Why are you even trying? Just cruise out your time in prison. Isn't it enough to, uh, to suffer in prison for the gospel? But, but look at what Paul does. He, he stretches against that. Everything in him says, I'm not going to settle with just waiting out this life in prison. I'm going to push forward. And we know this danger too, the danger of a, subtle stagnancy that can set in where we just wait out the Christian life, especially during this time of pandemic. Life in a pandemic is prime opportunity just to slip into this lethargic living, a living that forgets the urgency of our not yet status. What do we, what, what do we hear? What are kind of the slogans that, that surround us Stay at home. Stay at home. Minimize your activity. And, 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 and beyond this, we're, we're told over and over again, you know, this is like a, a lost year. Just a, a year that, that we'll just forget. So everything about this pandemic bears down upon us as we're waiting more than, more than we knew, normally do in our homes for this to end. Just to go through the motions. Just to wait it out. And so the stagnancy starts to set in. How do we battle that downward drag? How do Christian athletes push forward so that 2021 is filled with a greater urgency to grow? How do we see that not yet move closer and closer to who we already are in Christ this upcoming year? And Paul says that we do this by embracing the pursuit, the pursuit of the Christian life. And he gives us direction. He coaches us, as it were, to see that we must live the Christian life as an active pursuit. Yes, even as we might be asked to wait out of quarantine, even as we might sit in the comfort of our homes, even then, especially then, we need to be aware of our need to actively pursue God's grace in the gospel. You could say that we, Paul is calling us here to embrace a holy dissatisfaction. Um, You know, a kind of dissatisfaction with any part of our life, any place in our life that does not shine yet with the glory of Christ. And that's the kind of maturity that he commends to us in verse 15. And that's the kind of posture 
which we need to take as we race headlong into 2021. And that's why we see this resolution of Paul in verse 13, a resolution that we all need to hear. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize. Do you see the two steps that Paul lays before us? Two steps. First, forgetting what lies behind. Forget what lies behind. Athletes know how self-defeating it is to look backwards. Imagine you're running, you know, uh, you're running along and, and you look back to see where you've come from, to see where, where the runners behind you are. You'll most likely trip or you'll come crashing into a hurdle and your race is over. Or, you know, you'll, you'll limp your way to the finish line. Think about you know, a football player, I, I, I saw this, I think, last week. A football player who, who caught, you know, caught this big Hail Mary, and he, you know, no one's around him, and, or, or as it seems, and he, he just takes his time, you know, doing a little victory dance up to the end zone, and even, like, stops right there to turn around and to, to give a peace sign, looks back to his fans, gives a peace sign, and he gets tackled on the one-yard line. <laughs> disastrous to look back. And that's why Paul tells us to beware of that same danger in the Christian life. He's not telling us, understand this, Paul's not saying to never look back. Scripture all the time tells us, look back at all the wonderful things that God has done for you and let that propel you forward encouraged. But there is a kind of looking back that is ever so dangerous. What are we tempted to look back on that's dangerous? We're tempted to, to look back on past discouragements. Sins that weigh you down. Whisper lies. You'll never improve. Things will never be different. This is, this is who you are and who you always will be. You're not capable of changing. The finish line is so far away. Just give in right now. Perhaps even this past year, you've heard the lie, uh, these kinds of lies. Perhaps you've even you know, bought into that idea that this past year was just a, a, just a complete lost year for you, a time of no growth. Maybe you look back and it's incredibly discouraging to see this past year, all the setbacks, the ways that, 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 that your heart may have, str- have strayed from the call of God. Perhaps you feel like the fear and frustration of this virus has left you stunted. So we're tempted to look back. And Paul says, don't look back to these these past discouragements. But also, don't look back. Don't give in to the temptation to look back to even past successes. Successes that can weigh us down if we think about them the wrong way. Now again, Looking back and being encouraged by the successes that God's worked in you, that's wonderful. But there is a way to look back and start to believe falsely that we've already made it. Paul gives a list in verses 4 through 6 of the things that he had to leave behind. Even successes of his Jewish ancestry that he, for the sake of knowing Christ, had to say, that's behind me. What are the things in your life, 
maybe you're taking pride in. Maybe you look to them and you say, when, when you look at that thing, you say, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I've, I think I've made it. And then you, you just slow down to that jog rather than that full-out sprint towards the finish line. Anything that takes our eyes off the finish line, anything that pulls us backwards, we must leave behind. And instead, what must we do? We must push forward, press on. That's what Paul says next. He says, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward. Now you can picture this, right? When a runner is just feet away from the finish line, what do they do? Do they slack off? No. With every muscle, they lean forward, shifting all their weight ahead of them to give give themselves momentum to push through that line. And that's what we're supposed to do as we race into 2021 and to the very end of the Christian life. One step in front of the other, one painful stride after the next, we will grow in grace. What does that look like day to day? Looks like repentance. What is repentance? Repentance is simply that we've talked about it. It is that mercy of God calling us to turn away from our sins and to instead Turn towards the merciful face of the Father who calls us to new obedience. And we do this in part by establishing godly disciplines in our day-to-day life. We hear this every, every year um, that the new year is a time for resolutions. Really, every day is a time for new resolutions. But why not take this opportunity, this time where everyone else is telling you um, to focus on on setting new goals and trajectories from your life, why not take this opportunity uh, over the next week to ask yourself difficult questions about establishing godly disciplines in your own life? Ask yourself, what simple steps can I take this upcoming year to actively engage the Word of God throughout the week? What's the next step that I need to take to talk more with God in prayer? Spend more time talking with him. What's the most helpful new way that I can strengthen my church? Lean into fellowship. Even in the midst of a pandemic, how can I, how can I go out of my way and do difficult things when precautions are in place to pursue love for my church? And so Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9.26, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to, my, to others, I myself should be disqualified. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying the way I push forward, the way I strain forward towards, towards the goal is by taking a careful look of those Difficult disciplines that need to have their place in my life. Turn away from distracting sins and heartfelt repentance. Establish godly discipline in your life. And as you do all this, aim for the prize. That's what I want us to see finally. What is it that motivates us as we're running this race, forgetting what lies behind, pressing forward on to the end, What is it that lies there that is so attractive, that propels us forward? There's a prize. 
Now, years ago when I brought myself to run the turkey trot in Miamisburg, <laughs> it was that pumpkin pie at the end. <laughs> kept me one foot in front of the other, moving forward. I'm going to make it to the end. It was that pumpkin pie. And it was worth it. <laughs> but what is it that propels us forward in a race that's even more difficult? Um, the, the, the race of, the, of great spiritual obstacles. It is not our prize. Hear this. is not the breath of relief that's going to come when the pandemic is just behind us. Won't that be awesome when we're, pa- when we're past the frustrations of this time. Now, that's a prize, but that's not our prize. That's not the greatest prize that motivates us. It's not even the prize of becoming a particular church, of becoming a self-sustaining congregation. Now, that'll that'd be amazing. But that's not what propels us forward into 2021, 2022, 2023. No, our trophy, the prize that we run towards is right there in verse 14. Do you see it? It's the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. It is a prize that is so wonderful that it's not even part of this earthly system that is fading in its glory. It is a prize that lies in heaven itself. It is the prize of salvation in its fullness, of Christ-likeness, of becoming like Jesus. And then, in becoming like him, we see him fully as he is. The prize of the Christian life is Christ himself. Now that's amazing. That's motivating. Because hear this, we pursue Christ. We push forward towards Christ as our greatest prize because he is the one who has made us his cherished prize. Look at verse 13. It says that Christ has already overtaken us. What does that mean? It means that Christ pursued us. It means that this one who left behind even the glories that were his in eternity past, what did he do? He ran a race. He pressed ahead with his eyes on the prize and that prize was your salvation. What was his goal? Chasing us down, chasing down sinners that were running full speed ahead, not towards the finish line, but towards a cliff that we were surely going to jump straight off. And he pursued us through the cross and he caught us. Hebrews 12 then calls us to this. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Friends, that is encouraging to Christian athletes halfway through their spiritual marathon. We pursue the one who laid everything aside to pursue us to make us his, to make us runners who will, by his grace, finish the race. Press on. Press on 
for the prize of Christ Jesus, who is ours and who will be ours fully. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you not only call us to run the race, but you have pursued us. Indeed, you have overtaken us. And so we pray that we would be more and more conformed to the image of Jesus, that we would put aside anything that holds us back, forgetting what lies behind, looking forward, and eagerly anticipating that day when we cross the finish line. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, now we turn to the Lord's Supper.